إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد so continuing with the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi, rahimahullah ta'ala, we're now on the hadith of Abi Ya'la Shaddad ibn Aws, radiyallahu anhu, an Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, qal, inna allaha kataba al-ihsan ala kulli shay, fa'idha qataltum fa'ahsinu al-qitla, wa'idha dhabahtum fa'ahsinu al-dhibha, وَلْيُحِدَّ أَحَدُكُمْ شَفْرَتَهُ وَلْيُرِحْ ضَبِيحَتَ So in this hadith then, that is narrated by Muslim, in Sahih Muslim, the Prophet wasallam said that indeed Allah has obligated ihsan upon everything. Allah has obligated ihsan upon everything. And we will come to understand what Ihsan means. What does it mean that Allah has obligated that Ihsan should be done in everything? We'll come to understand inshallah in the explanation, the understanding of what Ihsan is. فَإِذَا قَتَلْتُمْ فَأَحْسِنُوا الْقِتْلَى So if you kill, then make that clear and precise. وَإِذَا ذَبَحْتُمْ فَأَحْسِنُوا الضِّبْحِ and if you slaughter, then they make that accurate and precise. And you should sharpen your item, the tool that you are going to slaughter the animal with, in order that the animal that is being slaughtered is slaughtered in ease. So what does this hadith mean? When the Prophet said that Allah has prescribed ihsan upon everything, Allah has prescribed kataba. Inna Allah kataba al-ihsan. Literally, kataba meaning to write. Allah has written that this ihsan should be carried out. And when it mentions that Allah has written that such and such should be done, then that means that Allah has obligated. It is an obligation to do that. Just as the Shaykh mentions here, kataba yani awjaba, that Allah has written upon you to perform ihsan in everything you do, meaning that Allah has obligated upon you to perform ihsan in all of that which you do. Well, ihsan and this ihsan yakun bain al abdi wa bain rabbihi wa bain al abdi wa bain al nas. وَبَيْنَ الْعَبْدِ وَبَيْنَ الْبَهَائِمِ And this ihsan, this act of making sure that a person does something in the precise and correct and accurate manner, doing something in the precise and correct and accurate manner, then this ihsan, it is prescribed in all of the affairs. That a person behaves in that proper and correct and precise manner in all of the affairs. And we know that ihsan 
It is also mentioned in a hadith that we studied previously. Ihsan was mentioned in a hadith that we already did before. That was in the hadith of Jibreel alayhi salam. When Jibreel said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Akhbirni anil ihsan. Tell me about ihsan. So the Prophet said, أَن تَعْبُدَ اللَّهَ كَأَنَّكَ تَرَاهُ فَإِن لَمْ تَكُنْ تَرَاهُ فَإِنَّهُ يَرَاكُ That you worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as if you can see Him. You worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as if you can see Him. And indeed the reality is you cannot see Allah. But surely Allah sees you. So that ihsan is that you perfect you perfect your worship and you perfect your actions. Ihsan is to worship Allah upon that perfection of your actions. So here it is that you worship Allah knowing and recognizing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees you and sees all of that which you do. So when you worship Allah, then you worship knowing that Allah sees you in doing your worship. So a person perfects or attempts to perfect his worship to the best of his ability. أَمَّا الْإِحْسَانِ بَيْنَ الْعَبْدِ وَبَيْنَ رَبِّهِ فَهُوَ أَعْلَى مَرَاتِبِ الدِّينِ So having this ihsan, this attempt at perfecting or the perfection of, the actual perfection of your worship, such that a person even if he commits sins, he is quick and eager to repent from those sins. So the muhsin is that one who worships Allah knowing, recognizing, realizing that Allah sees him in all of that which he does. So that person, he has this ihsan between himself and Allah in that way. By performing all of his worship in the correct and perfect manner. And that is what we said, for example, regarding the prayer. When a person prays, then he attempts to pray upon the perfect and complete description of the Prophet's prayer. As the Prophet ﷺ said, Pray as you have seen me pray. And we know that the description of the Prophet's prayer is two types. There is the perfect description of the Prophet's prayer. The complete description of the Prophet's prayer. And there is the description of the Prophet's prayer that is not complete, but it is sufficient for the prayer to be accepted. So what is the description of the Prophet's prayer that is complete? That is the person who prays with all of the arkan, the pillars and the wajibat, the obligations and the sunan. The sunnah acts within the prayer too. He perfects all three of them. He prays upon the perfect description, the complete description of the Prophet's prayer. As for an individual who is deficient, then that is a person who prays with the arkan, the pillars, and the wajibat, the obligations, but he leaves the sunan, he leaves the acts that are sunnah. So if he leaves the acts that are sunnah within the prayer, the prayer is still acceptable. However, it is not upon the complete and perfect description of the Prophet's prayer. So here that is what we are speaking about as an example, that a person attempts to perfect his worship. 
And that's even mentioned prior to the prayer in the ahadith that talk about wudu. Asbighul wudu. Al-isbagh. This is mentioned regarding wudu is to perfect the wudu. To perfect the wudu in the good and the proper and the precise and accurate manner. So that all of the body parts are washed properly. And the water it reaches all of those sections. Perfection of the wudu is mentioned in the ahadith. So, ihsan, the ihsan that a person has between himself and Allah is that he perfects his worship. That he performs the worship and the obedience to Allah in the perfect and the correct manner. Not making it deficient and inaccurate or making it to be performed in a way that is not precise. هذا إحسان بين العبد وبين ربه ومعناه إتقان العبادة This is the إحسان that a person has between himself and his Lord and it is as Shaykh Al-Fawzan says إتقان العبادة To perfect that worship to make it accurate and precise the worship that a person does and we know no doubt that a person who wishes to make his worship perfect and accurate and precise, then that requires knowledge to be able to do so. An individual who doesn't have knowledge of how the prayer is to be prayed in its perfect manner, then he will be deficient. A person who doesn't know how to perform the wudu in its perfect manner, he will be deficient. A person who doesn't know the affairs of the religion, of how they are to be done, then the person will fall short with regards to his worship. So an individual who wishes to have this ihsan, to perfect the worship, then no doubt that individual requires to gain knowledge of how it is that he is supposed to perfect those acts of worship. يقال أحسن الشيء إذا أتقنه أحسن الصنعة إذا أتقنها فأنت تتقن العبادة فيما بينك وبين الله عز وجل بالإخلاص لله سبحانه والمتابعة للرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم. So then the Sheikh mentions from the head of all of the affairs. In terms of perfecting your worship to Allah is understanding and realizing the particular pillars of that worship. At the head of those are no doubt that every act of worship is done sincerely for the sake of Allah and that every act of worship is done upon the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Those two pillars are no doubt required, essential for the worship to be accepted and for the worship to then be uh, upon that ihsan, upon that perfection. It needs to be built upon those two pillars of sincerity and following the sunnah precisely in doing the action. And to follow the sunnah precisely to do the action, it requires that a person has knowledge of the sunnah How is a person going to follow the sunnah precisely in doing his worship? If the person does not know about the sunnah, does not know about the hadith, does not know about the details of this particular type of worship. So we see that here, 
when the Prophet ﷺ told us that indeed Allah has prescribed that you have this perfection or this ihsan, you have this perfection, this ihsan of doing your acts in the precise and the accurate manner. At the head of those is the worship that you do, the precision and the perfection that you perform in your obedience between yourself and Allah. And that is through sincerity and following the sunnah. Then also, there is ihsan between a person and other people too. You have ihsan amongst yourselves. Ihsan between the servants of Allah amongst themselves. أَمَّا الْإِحْسَانُ فِيمَا بَيْنَ الْعَبْدِ وَبَيْنَ النَّاسِ فَيَكُونُ بِمُكَافَأَةِ مُحْسِنَهُمْ وَتَجَابُزِهِ عَنْ مُسِيئِهِمْ وَتَصَدُّقِهِ عَلَى مُحْتَاجِهِمْ So as for the ihsan that a person can perform between himself and others, then there are various ways of performing that ihsan. That perfection and goodness and righteousness and correctness and accurateness between yourself and other people. So for example, an individual, he attempts to overlook the shortcomings of other people. You attempt to forgive and overlook the shortcomings of the other people. Somebody maybe did wrong to you. Somebody maybe oppressed you. But if you are able and the situation allows for you to overlook and pardon and forgive, and that will bring about the good end result, then a person attempts to do that. And this is from the ihsan between yourself and other people. Or for example, giving charity to the people who are in need of it. Aiding others financially, those who are in poverty or who are in need of it. Then that is also ihsan between yourself and those people. That is also a type of ihsan between yourself and those people. Similarly, somebody who does good to you, someone who behaves in a good manner to you, who does good to you, then similarly, you also behave towards them in a good manner, desiring the reward of Allah from that behavior of yours. Behaving towards the people in a gentle manner, in a good manner, speaking to them in a good manner, behaving towards them in a good manner. All of this is from the ihsan that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prescribed upon us. The shaykh mentions, فَيُحْسِنُ إِلَيْهِمْ بِالْقَوْلِ وَالْفِعْلِ You are good to the people with your speech and your actions. وَيَتَعَامَلُ مَعَهُمُ التَّعَامُلَ الْحَسَنِ And that you behave towards them in the good behavior with the good mannerisms and morals. وَيُتْقِنُ الْمُعَامَلَ مَعَهُمْ كَمَا أَمَرَ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ And that you perfect your behavior with the other people just as Allah and His Messenger commanded us to do so. And this is the way of the Prophet ﷺ. That the Prophet ﷺ was upon the best of the manners. He was upon the excellent mannerisms. As the hadith mentions, كَانَ خُلُقُهُ الْقُرْآنِ His mannerisms were as if he was just the Qur'an. As if the Prophet ﷺ was practicing it from the Qur'an directly. His mannerisms were high and lofty in that way. They were excellent mannerisms. In another hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said, إِنَّمَا بُعِثْتُ 
that I was sent to perfect these mannerisms. So this good behavior, the good speech, the good behavior and actions towards other people, the good dealings with other people, that is from the religion. It is from the religion. It is from the commandments of Allah upon us and from the commandments of the Messenger of Allah wasallam. This is something that is an obligation upon us to behave in that way towards other people. Then there is ihsan even more than that. It is not just the ihsan between a person and Allah in terms of perfecting your worship. It is not just the ihsan between a person and other people, but rather even between you and animals. Even to the animals that Allah has created, then you do ihsan towards them. وَكَذَلِكَ الْإِحْسَانُ بَيْنَ الْإِنسَانِ وَبَيْنَ الْبَهَائِمِ between the person and the animals. So for example, you feed them. The animal that is perhaps hungry. Then you feed that animal. This is ihsan towards the animal. Perhaps there's a particular animal, a cat, whatever it may be. Or from the farmers, they have their animals. Then if they go hungry and there is not enough for grazing on etc., then the farmer, whoever it may be, then they attempt to get the food and to feed those animals. To feed the animals is ihsan. This is goodness and righteousness and perfecting your behavior, even towards the animals. minha, And giving and providing water to the animals that are in thirst, then that would also be considered an act of ihsan on your part. وَيُخَفِّفَ عَنْهَا الْأَلَمِ And to lighten any pain that they may be in. If a particular animal is in some pain, some injury, if you are able to do something to lessen the pain or that injury this animal is upon, then that is also from the ihsan for you to perform that act and to lighten the pain and to lessen the pain or the injury upon the animal, whatever it may be. وَإِذَا أَصَابَهَا أَلَمٌ يُعَالِجُهَا And you treat the animal if you are able, if the animal is overcome by some pain or some illness. هَذَا بِالنِّسْبَةِ إِلَى الْبَهَائِمِ أَلَّتِي لَا This is with regards to those animals that do not harm you. حَتَّى الْكِلَابِ Even the dogs. Even the dogs. قَالَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ There's the famous hadith that you are aware of. بَيْنَمَا كَلْبٌ يُطِيفُ بِرَكِيَّةٍ قَدْ كَادَ يَقْتُلُهُ الْعَطَشِ إِذْ رَأَتْهُ بَغِيٌّ مِنْ بَغَايَ بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلِ فَنَزَعَتْ مُوْقَهَا فَسَقَتْهُ فَغُفِرَ لَهَا بِهِ There is the hadith regarding the woman who was somebody who would engage in fornication, this lewd woman who would engage in that way. However, it's mentioned that famous narration you're aware of when she saw the dog that was uh, dying from thirst. The dog that was on the verge of death from thirst. And so she lowered uh, an item into the well to pull some water out. 
and gave that dog water to drink. So as a consequence of that, it is mentioned in the narration that is in Al-Bukhari and Muslim that she will be forgiven. She will be forgiven due to this act of hers, this act of ihsan, of seeing that dog about to die from thirst and she gave him water or gave it water. And so for that act of ihsan, she is forgiven. وَفِي رِوَايَةِ أُخْرَى And there is another narration. بَيْنَمَا رَجُلٌ يَمْشِي فَاشْتَدَّ عَلَيْهِ الْعَطَشِ فَنَزَلَ بِئْرًا فَشَرِبَ مِنْهَا ثُمَّ خَرَجَ فَإِذَا هُوَ بِكَلْبٍ يَلْهَثُ يَأْكُلُ الثَّرَى مِنَ الْعَطَشِ فَقَالَ لَقَدْ بَلَغَ هَذَا مِثْلَ الَّذِي بَلَغَ بِي فَمَلَأَ خُفَّهُ ثُمَّ أَمْسَكَهُ بِفِيهِ ثُمَّ رَقَى فَسَقَ الْكَلْبَ فَشَكَرَ اللَّهُ لَهُ فَغَفَرَ لَهُ In this other version of the hadith, it mentions that there was a man who was extremely thirsty. He became extremely thirsty. So he arrived at a particular well, and he went down into the well and he drank some water. As he came out of the well, all of a sudden, to his surprise, there was a dog there, who was, his tongue was out, etc., The dog was also in a state of extreme thirst. So the man said, This dog, what has become of it, is the same as what had become of me. I was in a state of extreme thirst, just as this dog is now in a state of extreme thirst. So the man, he filled his khuf, the leather sock, he filled that with water, uh, and he held it, from the, the, the head of it, in order that the dog could then also drink from that. So he gave the dog the water to drink. And again it's mentioned that the person was then forgiven his sin, etc., his sins, whatever it may have been, he was forgiven as a consequence of this act of ihsan. Qalu, they said, Ya Rasulullah, O Messenger of Allah, وَإِنَّ لَنَا فِي الْبَهَائِمِ أَجْرَىٰ That, do we have reward for the animals even? Is there reward for us in this type of behavior even with the animals? So the Prophet ﷺ said, فِي كُلِّ كَبِدٍ رَطْبَةٍ أَجْرَىٰ And this is a narration that will come in more detail later. فِي كُلِّ كَبِدٍ رَطْبَةٍ أَجْرَىٰ But basically the point of it being that indeed in all of those, Animals, there is reward also. In all of them, there is reward. If a person behaves in that appropriate manner, then there is reward too. In feeding uh, a cat or whatever it may be, or giving the water to the animal, that is all from the ihsan also. فَالْوَاجِبْ أَن تُحْسِنَ إِلَى الْبَهَائِمِ كَمَا تُحْسِنُ إِلَى النَّاسِ So that which is required... That which is required is that you behave towards the animals as you behave towards the people. That you have the ihsan towards them too. You see that an animal is dying from thirst, so provide it with water. This is all from the ihsan. Then the Prophet ﷺ explained further regarding this ihsan and how Allah has prescribed upon us to behave in this manner of ihsan. 
He said, فَإِذَا قَتَلْتُمْ فَأَحْسِنُ الْقِتْلَةِ That if you kill, then make sure it is done with perfection. What does that mean if you kill, then make sure it is done with perfection? Meaning, like we mentioned before, the qisas, that when a person is killed Islamically under the law, the capital punishment as they say, then do that in a manner that is precise and with perfection. فَإِذَا اسْتَحَقَّ أَحَدٌ مِّنَ النَّاسِ الْقَتْلَ بِقِصَاصٍ أَوْ بِحَدٍ فَإِنَّهُ يُحْسِنُ إِلَيْهِ فِي قَتْلِهِ وَلَا يُعَذَّبْ قَبْلَ الْقَتْلِ وَلَا يُقْتَلُ بِآلَةٍ كَالَّةٍ أَوْ آلَةٍ تُعَذِّبُهُ بَلْ يُسْرِعُ الْقَاتِلُ بِقَتْلِهِ وَيُجْهِزُ عَلَيْهِ بِالْقَتْلِ دُونَ أَنْ يَشُقَّ عَلَيْهِ أَوْ يُعَذَّبْ فِي الْقَتْلِ لِأَنَّ تَعْذِيبَهُ ظُلْمٌ لَا يَجُوزُ أَمَّا قَتْلُهُ فَهُوَ مَشْرُوعٌ So when that person is going to be killed under the Islamic law, the capital punishment in the Islamic uh, rulership in that uh, state where it's being practiced and implemented, then it must be done with precision. Meaning, for example, if a person's head is to be removed, if that is the manner that it is performed, it is performed in that way that the head is removed, and that is known. So when that is done, it must be done with precision so that you do not injure the person and harm the person and cause him to feel extreme pain prior to death. That is oppression. The ruling upon that person is death. The ruling upon him is not for you to beat him and strike him multiple times and cause him pain before killing him. That is a different ruling. Here, if the person is to be killed, that is the ruling, then you precisely remove the head. So that he doesn't feel the pain, or he doesn't feel the, the exertion of that prior to the death. That would be wrong then. For you to harm him and make him feel all of that pain prior to death, that isn't the ruling upon that person. The ruling upon that person is the death Islamically. So therefore you remove the head with precision. As they do, one movement of the item of the tool, and it takes the head with precision. And that is how it is to be done. Whereas if a person was not able to do it that way, and they had to make several attempts, etc., this would cause extreme punishment and pain to the person, which was not legislated as part of his punishment. And that would be incorrect to do so, therefore. So the person is to be killed quickly. Quickly and precisely. And that is from the ruling of Islam. Similarly, even with regards to the animals, slaughtering, when a person slaughters an Eid, or you slaughter for the Aqiqah, or you slaughter for various other reasonings, a person slaughters an animal, then even in that slaughtering, then it must be done with precision and with ihsan. فَأَحْسِنُ الذَّبْحِ the Prophet ﷺ said, so be precise and accurate with that slaughtering too. فَلَا تُعَذِّبِ الْمَذْبُوحَ بِأَن تَجُرَّهُ إِلَى الْقَتْلِ جَرَّا أَوْ تَجُرَّ الذَّبِيحَةَ مِنْ آذَانِهَا أَوْ تَذْبَحَهَا بِآلَةٍ كَالَّ أَوْ تَطْرَهَهَا عَلَى الْأَرْضِ ثُمَّ تُؤَخِّرَ ذَبْحَهَا ثُمَّ تُؤَخِّرَ ذَبْحَهَا وَتَتَشَاغَلَ عَنْهَا وَأَنْتَ مُمْسِكُهَا فَهَذَا لَا يَجُوزُ لِأَنَّهُ تَعْذِيبٌ لَهَا Consider this now. The shaykh says, 
When you slaughter an animal, you must do it as Allah has commanded us with precision. Therefore the shaykh says, there are certain types of acts which would be impermissible for you to do when slaughtering an animal. For example, you have a sheep. The shaykh says, it is impermissible for you to grab the sheep by its ears or something and drag it along to the place where you're going to slaughter it. That is causing it pain as you're dragging it along that way from its ears or from somewhere where you're pulling it and causing it harm to get it to the place where you're going to slaughter it. Removing it in that way, transferring it to that place in that way, causing it pain is even not allowed. Rather you take it gently to the place, calmly to the place where you're going to slaughter it. Pulling it and pushing it and dragging it from his ears like that, again the shaykh says that would not be ihsan from you. That would be causing it pain. Thereafter also when the shaykh says, if you get to the place where you're going to slaughter it, then... You don't hold it down in that place and the animal recognizes now. Recognizes perhaps what is to occur. You don't just keep it there even if the animal doesn't recognize what is to occur. Even if it doesn't, that is not the point. The point being that you don't just hold it down there with the head there and then you keep it there for several moments and you get busy with something or then you're sorting out the item you're going to use, the knife, and you keep it held down there like that. Even that the shaykh says is incorrect. For you to do it in that way where the animal is pinned down and you're doing something else or you're talking or you're getting ready and the animal is pinned and struggling, that is not suitable either. Rather the person must be proficient. Proficient. You take the animal calmly, you put the animal down calmly and straight away it is done without the animal realizing, feeling anything. That is the manner the slaughtering is to be done too. And that's why the knife that you use it says in the narration now, That you should sharpen the knife so that you can bring comfort to the animal that you are slaughtering. Sharpen the knife so it goes through instantly. Not that you have a blunt knife and you're going to cause pain to the animal and you're cutting and cutting. That would cause extreme pain and punishment to the animal. And that is not from Islam, it is not from the characteristics of slaughtering the animal. So the ihsan to the animal is to take it calmly, away from the other animals. Because if you do it in front of the other animals, they will become distressed. So you remove it away from the other animals, calmly. And you are ready and prepared with a sharp knife. So you instantly can do that, without causing elongation in the time period, and the animal pinned down, or you're dragging it and moving it around, and the animal becomes uncomfortable and agitated and moving around. All of that is not the way. Here the hadith says, be precise with precision and perfection in your actions, with your worship to Allah, with your behavior to other people, and even with the animals. When you're slaughtering them, then proficiently and quickly with a sharp knife, you do the job, in order that the animal is not in pain or discomfort, or in any type of other pain. So the Shaykh says, Al-wajib an tadbahaha bi ashali ma yakoon. What's obligatory is that you slaughter it in the easiest manner possible. Wa idha dabahtaha la tusri'u bi taqti'iha qabla an tamut. And when you slaughter it, the Shaykh says, don't start chopping it up straight away. When you slaughter the animal, allow it to cool down, allow the blood to flow from it. اصبر إلى أن تموت وتبرد فما دام فيها حركة وفيها روح لا تجمع عليها العذاب عذاب الموت وعذاب التقطيع بل تتركها إلى أن تموت. The Sheikh says if you slaughter the animal, 
obviously it doesn't die instantly. It will take a couple of moments for the blood to seep out and then the soul disappears and the animal dies. The shaykh says, allow that to occur. Don't just do the slaughtering and straight away start chopping from the legs, etc. It will still feel that. The animal will still feel that for those first few moments, straight after doing the slaughtering, there is still some life within it. There is still some movement within it. So the shaykh says, allow it to wait. Allow it to pass away. Allow it to die. Allow the blood to flow out and then do the, ch- uh, the chopping and the cutting of the animal. Not that you slaughter from the neck and straight away start chopping everywhere else because it will feel that still and that will be oppression. And that will be causing it pain. So even to that degree the shaykh says, you slaughter precisely and cleanly and then give a few moments for the blood to flow and the animal to die and then you chop because the animal won't feel anything after that. This is from the Ihsan of Islam. This is from the, uh, the precision Islam has taught us. And the people, those who have a lack of understanding, and they talk about Islam as barbaric and old-aged and medieval and from Stone Age, even from those ignorant, deviated Muslims, those ignorant, deviated individuals who follow their desires, consider themselves to be intellectuals and academics. They talk about these things too. They say these rulings are predated, prehistoric. These ways that Islam talks about. And that is from their ignorance and their deviation that these academics and intellectuals, they talk in this way. Rather look at the beauty of Islam and how much it preaches this ihsan. Even to the animal, wait. Allow the blood to flow before you start cutting it up so that it doesn't feel it. Cut with a sharp knife instantly so it doesn't feel it. Compare that to now how they slaughter in other places. In some places they shoot the animal. And perhaps the animal may not die instantly from that shot. It may not die from the shot. Maybe you realize it's still moving around, you have to shoot it again. So then it's been in that pain all of that time. Or they use stun guns. Again, not really suitable because that causes pain to them. And sometimes the animals may not die from that stun. Rather what's suitable is you cut with a sharp knife instantly removing that blood and removing the vessels and the animal dies without pain. This is from the Islam, this is what's mentioned. Uh, then it says, so you're supposed to make that animal even comfortable. فَهَذَا مِمَّا أَوْجَبَهُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى وَهَذَا مِنْ مَحَاسِنِ هَذَا الدِّينِ أَنَّهُ دِينَ الْإِحْسَانِ وَلَيْسَ هُوَ دِينَ الْإِسَاءَةِ أَوْ الْإِنْتِقَامِ بِدُونِ حَقِّ And the Shaykh says, this tells you the beauty of Islam. From the beauty of Islam is that it preaches and it tells you to be precise and accurate in what you do. Not to cause the pain even to the animals, let alone the people. Not even the animals, it is not permissible to cause them pain. Even to the extent the shaykh says, if you're going to slaughter the animal, don't keep it pinned down for a long time. Instantly as you go there, take the knife and do it. So that it doesn't become agitated and discomforted. This is the way of Islam and this is from the beauty of Islam. So that is what this hadith tells us. This hadith which is in Sahih Muslim, that the Prophet ﷺ said, Allah has prescribed upon you to have this precision and accurateness and perfection in your behavior. In your behavior to yourself, between yourself and Allah. In terms of your worship and your sincerity to Allah and a lack of shirk. Abandoning of shirk. 
and also in your behavior between yourself and other people, to have that ihsan and goodness and righteousness and piety and perfection in your actions and good behavior as the Prophet ﷺ did. And even to the extent that this ihsan it is prescribed when you're slaughtering an animal. Even in the slaughtering of the animal, you're going to kill the animal. It's not just a case of do what you want, get a stone and hit it on the head. No. Even in the slaughtering, then with this ihsan, you slaughter with precision and accurateness so that the animal does not feel the pain and the animal is not harmed. So if this hadith, this hadith now, it shows to you the greatness of this religion of Islam, the justice of this religion of Islam, the precision that Allah has commanded us with. And this is why Allah said in the Quran, الْيَوْمَ أَكْمَلْتُ لَكُمْ دِينَكُمْ On this day I have completed for you your religion. In every affair, in all of the affairs, Islam preaches and tells us exactly how to behave and what to do. Even when slaughtering an animal, we are told what needs to be done in order that the animal doesn't feel pain. Even though you're going to kill the animal, yet Islam tells us do it so it doesn't feel any pain. It doesn't feel agitated. This is from the justice and this is from the the precision of Islam, the revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So abandon all of those academics and intellectuals, all of those so-called individuals who claim to be intelligent. Those individuals, they are misguided and deviated in their understandings of Islam. They are poisoned in their minds. They speak about academics and they talk about being a doctor and having a PhD from this university, that university. And they come along, most of them, most of them, not even with beards. They can't even practice the sunnah upon themselves. They can't even practice the sunnah. Because of their minds and their intellects and all of this academics, then they begin to speak complete and utter nonsense. So abandon them and do not listen to the likes of those intellectuals and academics who come to you with those types of lectures. Rather look at the lectures of the Qur'an and the sunnah, speaking about the methodology of the salaf and the evidences and the ayat and the ahadith. So we'll conclude upon that point today with that narration. And insha'Allah ta'ala from next week, we'll begin the next hadith, which is the hadith where the Prophet ﷺ said, a magnificent hadith, fear Allah wherever you are. Ittaqillaha haythu ma kunta. Fear Allah wherever you are and follow up a bad deed with a good deed so it wipes it out. So insha'Allah ta'ala, we'll begin with that next week at 7.30. I will conclude there for today. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. If there's any questions and we're able to take them, then we can do some quickly, otherwise we'll conclude there. Is is it allowed? It's allowed or not? I don't know that. No, uh, hunting is not with a gun. Hunting is not with a gun. But, uh, it's mentioned in the books of fiqh about the animals. Maybe you have a dog. It's allowed, kalbusayd. To have a dog, and the dog goes and chases and gets the rabbit. So as soon as the dog gets the rabbit, he grabs the rabbit and he keeps it there. Then you go and slaughter it straight away. That's mentioned in the books of fiqh.
But if you shoot the animal, and the animal dies, you get there, the animal is dead. Haram, meita, you can't eat it. If you shoot the animal, and then you get there, it's already dead. Then you can't have this animal, it's haram. Because the animal has now died, because of the shot. To eat an animal, it must be with the Islamic slaughtering. You can't just eat any animal. You can't just shoot an animal and say, okay, now I'm going to cut its neck and slaughter it. It's already dead. You can't slaughter it if it's already dead. So if it's already dead, you can't slaughter and eat it. It's haram. You have to slaughter it whilst it's alive. That's why you can have a dog, for example. Dog chases and gets the rabbit and grabs it, but doesn't kill it. The dog is trained. Grabs the rabbit and keeps it there, doesn't kill it. You go, the rabbit is still alive, you take the rabbit and you kill it, slaughter it. That's allowed. But if you, uh, for example, you shoot an arrow, maybe you shoot an arrow. But if you shoot the arrow on the animal, but when you get there, the animal is already dead, then you can't have this animal, it's already dead. But if you shoot the arrow and the animal is alive, so you quickly grab it and you do the slaughtering on it to kill it that way, then it's halal. So shooting is a problem. Because if you shoot the animal, it dies before you get there, it's haram. No, no, it's true. But the problem with shooting is, it's not just about the pain. Uh, you're right, if you shoot the animal, but you don't kill it, then it's going to be in pain. But that's not the issue. Because hunting is a bit different to when you're actually slaughtering. Hunting, even when the, the, the dog gets the animal, it's going to be in, in struggling a little bit. But that's the way hunting is. Otherwise, you, you wouldn't be able to catch those animals outside. But that is still minimal. The dog gets the animal and he keeps it there. If you use an arrow, for example, there will be some pain. But then you go straight away and you slaughter the animal. That's hunting. So even with the shotgun or whatever gun it is, maybe that's possible in terms of that if the animal doesn't die. But still, it's not suitable. Because most of the time, you are going to kill the animal anyway. Most of the time, you wouldn't be able to eat that animal because if you shoot it, it will die anyway, before you get there. So it will be haram anyway. So better to do the way of the fiqh, as the scholars they mentioned. Kalbu said, have a dog which is the hunting dog. Train the dog, so the dog catches the rabbit and everything, the deer and stuff, holds it and keeps it down, and then you go and do the slaughtering. This is in the books of fiqh, this is halal, no problem. So in the mountains you can do this. Yeah, no, it's okay because when you slaughter, because when you slaughter the Islamic slaughtering, you need to cut three of the four main veins or, or, or the arteries, veins, whatever they call them, the pipes. Four main, uh, there are four main pipes in the neck. There are four main pipes in the neck. They are the jugular, or there are two jugulars. There is, the, there is basically there is the windpipe, there is the windpipe. Then there is the jugular, and then there are two other major arteries that go through the neck. The windpipe, the jugular veins, and the... The, the food pipe, you could say. There are four main pipes. From those four main pipes, Islamically sorting, if you cut two out of four, some scholars say it's okay. That's a, an Islamic slaughtering. If you only cut one, haram. 
you haven't done the slaughtering. If you only manage to cut uh, one windpipe, for ex- the windpipe, and you don't get to the jugular or anything else, it's the haram. You have to cut two out of the four minimum, but even that's differed about. Three out of four, most of the scholars are agreed. If you cut three out of the four, the windpipe, the jugular, and one more of the main arteries or veins, there's four altogether the scholars mention. If you cut three out of the four, most of the scholars are agreed, it's okay. If you cut four out of four, definitely. So if you have the sharp knife and you go in quickly with that sharp knife, a quick movement and it goes all the way into the back, it's okay. You've cut the four main veins then and the blood will come out and the animal will die quickly. But what you're not supposed to do is to have something blunt so you have to keep doing this and this and this and that will cause the, the harm to the animal. Backwards and forwards with the knife. You have a sharp knife and you go through instantly, quickly. Even if you go through the back, you cut the four main arteries, veins and that's done. So we'll conclude there, and next week inshallah at 7.30.